I, I see you kind of blurred sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you're yeah, pretty... my camera's got an autofocus, so it's it's doing weird things. <laughs> it's nice. So it's, the, uh... the software that, that came with it that's supposed to allow me to change it doesn't work. Um, so <laughs> that's what I get for getting a cheap camera, huh? <laughs> hey, so I you know we only met once uh, about no, ten years ago. No, we've met twice. We met twice. We met yeah, twice. I, I, uh, okay. Yeah. Tell so the, the, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so the the first time we met was at an Adrian Ballou, uh show in Salt Lake, um, and you. Uh, I'm not sure why you were there, but you were there. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we met again. Um, I, I want to say it was at a, at a Crimson show, but I'm not sure why you were there unless one one of your the projects opened up for him. Did that happen? I think that we met when Stigman was on tour with Adrian Strio. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I remember. But you yeah, know, that, like, that was a like show my, in Salt Lake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like my my memory is pretty bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you know, I could I could be wrong too because I I I I was thinking about it and I I was pretty sure I'd met you twice, but it could be only once. But to, you know, for a while there, I was road tripping to see uh, Crimson, mm -hmm. and so I saw them in like like four different cities. So that that whole the whole all those shows kind of blend together in my mind. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> no, it, it's quite possible that we met a couple times. Um, but you know, like it's it's interesting. Like when I uh, and I think I mentioned that to you when I wrote to you, uh, I made my initial uh, list of people that I wanted to talk to. Um, early on, even before I started, obviously, before I started recording these conversations. And you were you were on my mind from the beginning. I have no really? idea why. Yeah, and I have no idea why. Really. I'm flattered, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's like, um, maybe, you know, I was just scanning through my bad memory. And <laughs> these these faces came up. And and you know like also because of the guitar thing that i do <laughs> and and real you know realizing at some point that i really i'm really not that much into the technology at all in a way i mean i guess i'm very much into the technology but i'm not very picky about sound which is kind of like interesting because i like my philosophy is more like i try to make anything work for me right you know and, and i get that it's um there's I, I meet a lot of players that you know they don't want to know about the nuts and bolts except for when it applies to ex, you know exactly what they want to accomplish so they they know their shit really well but it's not like they're you know engineers and i don't, I don't think that they you know guitar guitar players or stick players or whatever should be you know you, sh you yes. should be able to find what uh, enables you to uh, execute what you want to execute and and the rest is just a distraction you know what i mean yeah, I, I agree. And for me, it's sometimes sometimes I don't, I couldn't even tell what I'm what I'm after. You know, it's like a, a process of discovery anyway. So so that's why um, good pieces of gear, good like in the sense of like pieces with with potential, right? Like where there is there's like a say like a second layer of of magic let's say that that one can find by actually using something right yeah. so like because a lot of a lot of the uh um and well 
you, I'm sure you can tell me more about that, but like, it seems like the way that music uh, equipment, but also music itself is being sold these days is more about that superficial kind of like a plug and play kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. There's, uh, there's um, yeah. What, what you're saying actually, you know, uh, hits home. It, it's uh, there's, uh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many stories I've, I've taught to guitar players who use the stuff I make and use the stuff I made when I ran Digitech and DOD, where they explain to me how their signal chain is put together or how they were combining these different pedals. And I'm, I'm like, what? You know, that doesn't make any sense at all. But, you know, if it works, it works. And, and again, that's part of the discovery. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guitar players who put, who put reverb in front of distortion or reverb in front of fuzz. And technically, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But like 90% of shoegaze bands, that's how they do it. So, you know, part of the, the, the cool thing about pedals in particular is because of their modularity, you yeah. can do quick experiments like that and move stuff around and, and, you know, change it up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see it sort of like as some sort of synthesis uh, anyway, where basically you, you have the string, the guitar string in my case, and that's the oscillator. And you then kind of like add stuff you take stuff away mm -hmm. you you uh you smear the sound somehow you compress it you know like you eq it and like like everything is sort of like it doesn't really i don't think there are any rules and there's nothing that's that can be considered wrong you know yeah i, I agree with that too you know it's my, my playing personally has gotten a lot more traditional as the years have passed. Uh, it, and it's, it's not because of anything artistic, it's, it's more out of expediency's sake. Mm -hmm. um, but for a long time, for, for quite a few years, I was doing the exact same thing you're talking about, where I wasn't trying to, you know, come up with the ultimate clean tone, or I wasn't trying to come up with the, you know, the, 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 the best Eddie Van Halen Brown sound or anything like that. I was, I was trying to, you know, explore some new areas. And trying to, you know, thinking about the guitar is the same way as thinking of the guitar as like a sound source rather than as a guitar. And, uh, you know, things change. I, I haven't, I haven't played, played guitar um, or stick for that matter. I got my stick over here um, at, at, in that manner for years, years. Now, now I'm in bands. And so, and so trying to get the song done is the most yes. important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know there there's a lot of tradition uh, about guitar tone out there, and I think it's 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 great and it's important if one is a, uh, able to embrace that tradition, and and to kind of also develop an ear for what um, is right in the sense in the tradition in the traditional sense. I think that's that's something really special. Like like I'm kind of like struggling. Well, not struggling, not anymore, but um, with a touch instrument because of the, it's it's just very different. First of all, like there's like on my on my touch guitar, uh, also on the stick, you can have like a scale length, you know, is much longer. You you have a different kind of pickups. The technique itself generates a different kind of spike, let's say, with a yep. different envelope, and so so that way, like certain certain effects just don't they don't react the same way that they do with the guitar where you're, you're picking, you know, like yeah. there's much more energy put into it. And, and like what I said, like for a while, I've been struggling with this idea. Like, I mean, what actually is a good tone here? Right? Like I couldn't, I didn't know because there was no reference really other than, other than the references that I was creating for myself. And those references were more 
like guitar players that don't use a traditional sound like 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 Robert Fripp for example or Mike Oldfield or you know and then mm -hmm. I later learned that Oldfield has been using four stages of distortion like to get those leads and very thin strings and stuff like that like that I wasn't aware of and and but but that's kind of like where I'm coming from to just kind of like what does work for my instrument you know and it's it's interesting because um you know I I would I submit that you know you becoming a, a, a touch player, you know, and and being part of the stick thing, that kind of forces you into that area, um, because the, the pickups on a stick, you know, don't sound like a traditional traditional pickup. And you're like you were saying earlier, your, your attack is different. I mean, even stuff it, it even throws you out of the normal technique range with traditional yeah. stuff because you can't play, you can't chug sixteenth notes on a stick. I mean, you can, but it it sounds weird. You know, I, I've mm -hmm. I've seen some stick players that have gotten pretty good at you know uh, tapping on the same fret, you know, with with two different hands to get that effect. But it's mm -hmm. still the, the envelope is different. Yeah. So it's it's like a completely different technique. So you're you're thrown out uh, technique wise, and you're thrown out you know uh, uh, sonically when it comes to pickups and you know how the how the strings react and stuff. Is you know I can't I can't play my stick through the fuzzes I make. They it sounds weird. It's a completely different, you know, different pickup system. And the, and the, you know, I haven't measured it. I probably should, but I would bet the homage is different. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I, I think when you choose the path to become, you know, uh, a touch player, um, all, all the traditional stuff that you have normally used gets thrown out the window. You have to start over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which can be daunting. I mean, <laughs> it was daunting for me. I mean, I, I, I don't play stick very much anymore uh, just because I, I can't devote the time to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I've never gotten good at stick. You know, I, I can, I, I think of stick for me as more of like an extended range bass, um, you know, and, and I can add some melodies on, on top when I'm, when I've gotten warmed up and feeling pretty good. But, you know, some of, some of the stuff that you see from the, the guys that are, you know, solo stickists and stuff, that's, that's way beyond anything I could ever do way 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 beyond <laughs> yeah and i mean with you know with that kind of uh, um idiomatic stick style um let's say then completely different rules apply like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't really w want to use fuzz on the melody side yeah. while you're playing on the bass side and stuff like that you know there's there are like these technical limitations there which i think are nice because that it that's kind of what creates the the experience of okay, this is the sound of a stick, right? And and uh, yeah, you know. But um, how how did you? I mean, like you've already mentioned, you did the Digitech DoD thing for a while, and that was when we met. And uh, and now you you have your your spiral uh, paddles, right? And yes. Um, I was, I was trying to remember what you had, like, was it Rose Pedal or something you had before? As yeah, so when I when I first started, um, I called myself Rose Pedals, um, but then Eventide um, uh, came out with a Rose uh, Delay, and they had already done a, a trademark on it, so I had to change my name. Um, there, there was a whole drama with that, too, that I won't get into, but um, it, it's weird because here in the U.S., there are databases you can search to find out if people are using the, these names. Mm -hmm. uh, um and so I, I did a search. I didn't find anything, mm, and uh, uh, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have used it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that they had a pat they they had trademarked it under Rose something else. I can't remember what it was. It was Rose Delay, or I had searched for Rose Petals, mm-hmm. you know. And so that 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 little spin made it so that their stuff didn't come up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's switching. It was it was painful to switch. <laughs> you know, it, there there were a few months there. It was it was really stressful. But uh, I actually like Spiral better, to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, it. Um, I, I had kind of had this this vision for where where rose petals would go. You know, and naming naming the petals after colors and stuff of roses and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I realize now, in retrospect, that it was kind of locking me into a a, a concept. And now a spiral, it's, it's really open. I can I can do whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I like I like the word spiral uh, much better as well. And oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so how? How did you get into into uh, what you're doing and like? Well, let's see. So I um, I started working for uh, Digitech and DoD uh, in '96, late '95, early '96, um, and I, I was working on the floor manufacturing floor, you know, building up you know pedals and stuff like that. And then I moved from there, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to the the marketing department. Um, and then uh, from there, I moved to, to DBX Tech Support, and I was there for quite a few years. And then from DBX Tech Support to a division in Harmon called uh, SDIG, which is the software division. Um, and then I worked there for a, a, a little over seven years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but uh, then I moved from there back to, to, to Digitech DOD as the artist relations guy. And, uh, and that's when I met you was before I, I started running Digitech and DOD. And in, uh, that was probably about 2011, maybe mm-hmm. 2011, 2012 around there. And then, uh, shortly after that, I started, uh, being really involved in, in, uh, product development. And then from there, it just, it just kind of accelerated. There were a whole bunch of changes that happened to Harmon. And, and at the end of those, I found myself in charge and I, I ran Digitech and DOD for, a little over seven years. Um, some some part of that officially, some not officially. Um, but uh, basically, I revived DoD. Um, you know, I, I revamped the Digitech line. Uh, so uh, you know, a lot of the, the later stuff from about 2011 to t- 2011 on, before the Samsung buyout, I had a hand in in some way or other. Um, you know some of some of the things I conceptualized completely myself, and some were you know part of a team. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of my thing for you know all the way up until 20, 2018 uh, to twenty nineteen when the buyout happened, and then they shut down the entire department, and I started Spiral uh, just shortly after that, um, just a few months after. In fact, there's a story there. So I went to uh, <laughs> I went to Summer Nam in Nashville. Um, after the, the, in fact, the, the day that my employment at Harmon ended was the day that Summer Nam started, mm-hmm. and so I went to Summer Nam looking for a job, and uh, you know I, I talked to, I think it was four, four or five different companies, and um, and and they were all cool. Don't I don't I don't want to give the wrong impression. They were all cool, but but what they wanted me to do was what I already did at Digitech and DOD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure my head was kind of in a weird space. Of course, there was probably some residual anger there too, that, you know, I, I wasn't really aware of at the time, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do that again. 
And so, you know, I interviewed with a couple different companies and on the drive home, I was thinking, and I'm like, you know what? I, I just want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want to work for somebody ever again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've, I've got ideas. And so I called up my wife while I was, while I was driving, I was like somewhere in Texas on the way home. And I'm like, you know, babe, I, I want to start my own company. And she's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but but then we talked about it, you know, as I was driving, we talked about it for, you know, a couple of hours and uh, she warmed to the idea. She realized that I, you know, I had, I was serious and I had plenty of ideas on where I could go, you know, and and as I was talking to her, I was kind of putting together a plan um, just as it was, it just kind of came together. And Mm -hmm. so we decided to go for it. And, and here I am. To, To me, it made total sense. To see you yeah, in, in retrospect, it's funny because it seems like you know the, the total no-brainer to do. But mm-hmm. at the time, I promise you, it was not a no-brainer. <laughs> hey, so so how competitive is the market? Um, well, so the, the I don't want to get too too into numbers, but basically, the way to, to envision the MI market, so musical instrument market, which includes pedals, is you know here you've got your your pedal pie and split right down in half. On one side, you have what I call a big five, which is, you know, it was anyway, Digitech and DOD. I'm not sure who it is now, but, you know, MXR, TC, you know, bigger companies like that, um, you know, EHX, uh, of course, Boss. Boss rules, you know, everybody when it comes to the pedal market. But on the other side of the pie, you have, you know, all of the independents. And that's that's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of builders you know, ranging all the way up from, you know, two, two Freds in a shed um, all the way up to, um, you know, uh, Earthquaker and, and Wampler and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so on that side of the pie, I haven't found any real uh, competitive, I don't know, attitudes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're all friends. We all hang, you know, every now we have a, a there's a summit that uh, that we that we go to and hang out um everybody that i've met uh that, that's a you know an independent is cool um you know sometimes there are some people in some of the more you know smaller genres that get really competitive but that's just not my my thing mm-hmm. now on the other side you know with the with the big five it's really competitive mm-hmm. and you know I, I am friends with some of the the guys in the in the bigger brands that are part of that you know um I know a bunch of guys from MXR and stuff like that, but even then it's really, really competitive. So mm-hmm. it's a different world. Mm-hmm. So you basically you went from the competitive side to the more relaxed side. Yeah. And it's been great. It's been awesome. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I can be competitive, you know, mm-hmm. um, but to be honest with you, even when I was, you know, at my, when, when Digitech and DOD were at their peak, when I was there, which was a, it's a, it's a di- that's a different peak than, than what they were at in the, in, you know, in, in the eighties. But uh, even when I was at my most competitive there, I still, I don't know. It, it was, there, there was one pulse, small part of my brain that recognized the competitive nature, but that's not where, where my interest was. You know, I had too much other shit going on to worry about it. And I, I didn't have time to um, really get into what other other brands were doing because it was it would have been a distraction. Now that's not to say I didn't I didn't you know check out the numbers and see what they were doing you know uh, sales wise and stuff like that just to to be you know 
knowledgeable of the market. But when it came to my own path and my own dev at Digitech and DoD, I didn't pay attention to anybody. Mm -hmm. I just did my own thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, within the uh, uh, the world of pedals, you have analog and digital as well as like two, I guess, more or less separate worlds. Or is that uh, is it wrong to say that? No, I don't. I don't think it's wrong to say that at all. I mean, that there's. There, there are there are certain circuits that lend themselves best to, to being analog, and there are certain circuits that lend themselves best and, and actually can only be done digitally. Yeah. Um, you know, you you know, for example, reverb. You can't have the the only you know analog reverb that's out there is a spring reverb. Mm -hmm. You know, everything else is a digital emulation. I guess there you know you get the big plates. Yeah. They're in studios and stuff like that, and that's analog. But you're not going to lug around a plate to a gig, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, they each have their strengths and, you know, it, I explored at Digitech for a while, you know, trying to do, uh, like fuzzes, for example, in the digital realm. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the idea there was to, to give the fuzz a lot more flexibility, mm -hmm. but after a while I just stopped doing it cause it didn't make any sense. Cause you'd have, you know, a, a good, a good fuzz face, for example, has like what, 10 parts or something like that. And, you know, to do that, an emulation in a digital box, you had to have like 65 parts in a DSP. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's stupid, yeah. you know, at a certain point. Yeah. It's like, what, you know, what more functionality can you add? You can add, you know, probably some, you know, really complex EQs and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, a fuzz face is still going to beat it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I stopped doing that, that kind of stuff, the, the digital emulations. Now, that's not to say it can't be done. There's, there's some other companies out there that have been doing some really good digital emulations. Um, but you know, at a certain point you, you know, you know, well, I mean, we're talking about fuzz faces, you know, a fuzz face, for example, with a guitar, one of the cool things about it is the reaction between the circuit and the fuzz face and your pickups. Yeah. You can roll down the volume knob on your guitar and it cleans up. And I have yet to find a digital emulation that'll do that. Cause that's, that's a, that's an analog feature. That's not, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, when you have the, the buffer on and, you know, a variable impedance, um, you know, control with the, the volume control that, that changes how your pickup resonance is, that kind of stuff. It's super hard to, to emulate that in digital. I don't know of anybody that's been able to do it. Mm -hmm. So that, that being said, you know, there, there are some digital fuzzes out there that do react to your volume knob to a, to a, you know, more or less okay degree. But again, doesn't beat a fuzz face. Go buy a fifty dollar fuzz face, and you're happy. Mm -hmm. Instead of spending you know two hundred and fifty bucks on a on a digital emulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it. This is you know like I have in the in the past almost two years. I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, maths channels <laughs> on YouTube and physics and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. I'm becoming like more and more aware that they're just like the analog circuits like these things that you you can't emulate because they are just like i don't know i don't know which words to use here but they're just like too complex it's like in with you know, it's like based on some sort of like strange feedback behavior that gets so complex that it's impossible to kind of put it in an equation somehow yeah. and and um 
you know, uh, with these modern modelers, you know, like, like, I, I guess when people can sort of like model the actual parts and sort of like recreate, I, I have no idea how this is being done, but I'm just imagining it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then you have like this, this other side where uh, people are trying to, to uh, sample a sound, like capture a sound. Yeah, the um, IRs, impulse responses. The, yeah, exactly. And and that can also only go so far, you know, like anything that that has some uh, um, touch sensitivity, let's say, or as you say, like sensitive to the to the actual electricity that gets into it. Um, I, I really don't see how that um, I, I guess at some point it will be possible, but I just don't see how. Yeah. So if you if you look at something like a tube, you know, a, a tube is such a. Um, you know, theoretically, a tube is a fairly simple device. You know, you have you have a, a negatively and positively charged particles that pass through a grid. You know, and that and the the tube itself, you know, is is generating, you know, uh, a plasma basically. But uh, I was I was talking to a guy um, that was trying to model the of uh, uh, the effects of a tube, and he was saying that in order to actually model it correctly, you'd have to get down to the atomic level because that plasma, when it's moving through that grid. It's like it's like millions, if not billions, mm -hmm. of of atoms that are in a you know ever changing cloud, mm -hmm. and so when you think about it like that and realize, holy shit, this is this isn't just you know a positive and a negative you know thing happening you know across a resistor. This is like this this living, almost living thing, yeah, exactly. You know, moving around. It's like, well, it's, how the hell do you model that? <laughs> it's it's much worse than predicting the weather. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, and, and you know, that being said, you know, there's there, there's lots of progress that has, that's been made that have been, has been made in IRs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I it, there's a lot more components. You, you can't. Well, I, a good example of of you know the limitations of an IR is you know the the components from your you know instrument to the speaker. There's a lot of steps in between, and at the very end, yeah, there's a speaker there, but you also have the interaction of your amplifier, whichever amplifier you choose to use. And so, you know, if you just ran your pedals straight into an IR, it's going to sound weird. You know, if you just ran your your instrument straight into an IR, it's going to sound weird because there's a whole bunch of other stuff there that's influencing it. You know, and and there are some companies that are that are adding in preamp emulations to try to to and also power amp emulations to try to address that. But uh, you know, uh, uh, I know AxeFX has that, and there there are some smaller you know pedal companies that that have you know uh, uh, preamp emulations. Uh, I've got um, my Fryet uh, GPDI that uh, does that with it's all tubes. And then going going to direct with not using IRs, it's it's all analog. Mm -hmm. So there there are different ways to to attack it. But uh, you know, if you if you just if you're just plugging straight into an IR, it's gonna sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one small part of the equation, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like you know, I've I've always been so <laughs> fucking crazy with these with these, even with my cables, like you know. But but the opposite direction of most people, where people want to have that best cable, like that costs a lot of money. No, and I I you know I swear on that cable that I got in '93 that is, is very old and kind of like makes my guitar sound dull 
Yeah, you use it as a as a part of your tonal chain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, and I'm, I'm serious about that. Like, there's there's just something about about like using using dull strings and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. No, no. What I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say is that it's sort of like uh, for me, it's about the the magic that happens when you kind of like combine these different components. Right. And that, that was like one thing I learned early on. Um, like I started using pedals in the early nineties and I realized, okay, like if I get a pedal and I try to buy pedals from, from not from the same company, like I didn't want to have more than one boss pedal. I right. got some other, I got a rat then. And like, I can't even remember, like it actually, uh, a Digitech delay, like our DOD delay. I had that. And, and like, so my philosophy was like to get that, get as many pedals from different makers and then build my own signal path. And that's sort of like how I'm still approaching it, even when I'm using like a, a digital multi-effects um, uh, board these days, you know, like trying to get like these, to combine these, 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 these elements that are not, that are not coming from the same family, like even if it's the same maker, you know, but yep. And, well, it's, uh, it's it's that it's that modularity thing that I was mentioning earlier. Is you know, the 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 cool the reason the reason that pedals have gotten so popular lately, I believe, is because of that modularity. It allows you to 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 individualize and to express yourself. I mean, you can you can hear a super cool new sound or think of a super cool new sound, and you can you can almost guaranteed figure out a pedal order um, and a signal chain to make that happen. Yeah. And you know it used to be, you know, with the, with the rack stuff and the multi effects, you know, th there there's a lot of power there. Um, but you were just like you were saying earlier, you're, you're kind of tied into their ecosystem and tied into how they think of stuff. Um, you know, there there are a few processors out there that allow you to break out of that a little bit. Um, you know, when you start putting in, uh, you know, different sends and returns that allow you to, to integrate pedals into you know, rack stuff and things like that. That's cool too. But again, that's, that's moving towards the modularity of pe the pedals already provide just naturally. And yeah. so I, I think that's a huge strength with, with, with pedals is, is just that very thing that you can express yourself. I mean, the way I describe it is they're, they're like, you know, a painter's paintbrushes, you know, mm -hmm. you, you've got, you know, uh, you know, spatulas, you've got horsehair brushes, you've got, you know, big brushes, small brushes, you know, brushes for fine work, you know, uh, you know, brushes for, you know, thick work and that kind of stuff, plus your different colors, you know, on your palette and stuff. And, and that's what pedals provide is it allows you to, to paint the picture that you want to paint. You know, I, I would like to talk about your pedals with you, but um, I have a question like do in the, I can't remember, maybe it was in 95 boss put out this GT five uh, thing. Do you remember that at all? Have you Vaguely, ever used yeah. it? Yeah, I haven't it was, used it. No. Yeah, um, and it had like, like for me, the only tolerable pitch shifter in it, and I, I used it. I used it for a few years, and um, ever since, haven't really used pitch shifters because I hate them. <laughs> and and like this this like this shimmer stuff i really like i'm i'm one of those guys who doesn't like it it's been mm -hmm. it's been become so popular and like now i'm i'm okay with it and i've <laughs> i've made peace with you know people using it but um for a while i was you know um but anyway like what i'm what i'm yeah so if you don't know the gt5 but it had like this really like warm kind of 
pitch shifter, which was really, really nice. And, and, uh, uh, I, I made a whole album just based on, on, on that, on that pitch shifter because, and this is, this is something that I want to throw out here, like, which could be interesting also for analog pedals, like the combination of analog with digital is like, I like when you can modulate, uh, parameters. And if you, if you can modulate parameters of an analog circuit, like what, what happens in a, um, like in a, in a good old modular or analog synth, for example, right? Right. That's, that's sort of like what I'm, what I'm after these days to find something that kind of gives me that freedom to have these, these, these crazy modulations, uh, in the, in the analog world, that would be, that would be amazing. And, but, but I'm not ready to, to, to buy, uh, synth modules, you know, and kind of go there, but that would be a solution, I guess. Um, yeah. So the, the, the you, you, you hit on a couple of different, uh, things. So mm -hmm. first is the pitch shifting. So pitch shifting, um, there's, there's monophonic pitch shifting and there's yeah. polyphonic pitch shifting and monophonic pitch shifting, um, can run it the gamut from anywhere from a, uh, an MXR, you know, blue box, um, or a, uh, you know, an octave up fuzz or, you know, a green ringer or something like that, where it's, it's, you know, taking the, 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 the sum and difference and creating a pitch shifted very original note. And th those, those, you know, octavers, you know, the tracking is sketchy for analog octavers for green ringers, you know, you're getting a ring modulation, which, you know, to, to certain ears sounds cool to other ears. They don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, those, those artifacts that happen like in a ring modulation, that stuff all gets carried over into digital pitch shifting. And so that the battle when you're doing a monophonic digital sh pitch shifting or polyphonic pitch shifting is how to make those pitch shifted notes be sonorous and mm -hmm. not get any of that ring modulation stuff. So if your ears are sensitively tuned you know, any variation uh, in the pitch shifted note from your original note is going to bug you. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is it's inherent. I mean, it's, it's, there, there's almost no way to make it so that you're getting a, 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 a an exact copy of your original note, but pitch shifted. It'll, it'll, I don't want to say it'll never happen, but man, it's, that's almost, it's a pretty close to a sure bet because it, it, it's the technical hurdles to make that happen are great. So it's, it's, it's like you, you, you'd have to build a time machine to make that happen. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's because it's the, the, that's actually a, a, a good way to describe it because what happens is in order to read the note, you have to read, you know, that the half wave of that note. And so that takes time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, the time in a processor that it takes to, to read that half note isn't a technical problem. You know, it's the, the, the processor is ready to go at this, almost the speed of light. You know, it's, it's like nanoseconds, microseconds. Mm -hmm. um, but the time it takes in reality for that note to develop to that half wave, mm -hmm. it might as well be in an eternity. And that's never going to go away unless, like you said, you have a time machine <laughs> and, you know, or some telepathic thing. And you know what? That's, I don't you know. Maybe we're talking, you know, a thousand years from now or something like that. But, <laughs> and that's one of those weird things, too, where people are like, yeah, it'd be great if I could control my effects telepathically. You know, I could finally make my ultimate masterpiece. And it's like, really? Are you sure about that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's great. I, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I bought a new plugin and, and I can't even remember what it's called, but it's like one of these, uh, um, 
kind of like um, you can destroy your signal in 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 very interesting ways like and and it has one process in it that i used to use all the time which is to pitch you know to pitch uh, a signal up an octave and then pitch it down an octave again to get like the the artifacts right like right. and 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 this plugin just does it <laughs> in real time oh, interestingly enough yeah it's cool but but anyway like the, i like i like that kind of thinking though i love um you know that's why i'm not um like when i'm talking about the pitch shifting i'm not necessarily talking about a specific problem let's say uh, that is being you know it's it's about like how people then work with that like you know we mentioned adrian blue like the way that adrian blue works with pedals that's kind of like what i like like you, you turn it into something. You use it. You, you, you find the magic. You find the beauty in the in the ring modulation, right? That that yeah, is you, that you is you embrace embrace those limitations and use them, you know, to your benefit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that gets into the second part of your your you know your, your questions that you're asking earlier. You're talking about you know modulating, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm assuming you're talking about real time modulation, you know, yes. of those of those pitches or, or that modulation or whatever. And I agree with you. I love that stuff. I, I love it when you can you know bring in um you know a, a vibrato from zero to you know to whatever as a as a musical accent because then then at that point you're playing the effect as an instrument in yeah. itself right yeah and so it becomes part of your you know your repertoire and you know uh, i completely get that i mean well that's that's basically the essence of a wah right yeah. you know you're you're making an effect work for you in real time you know love love them or hate them you know, it's it's one of the few vibrato effects, or, or sorry, modulation effects out there that allow you to do stuff in real time. You know, the, the old Chenet, uh, uh vibes. The, the cool thing about them is you can control the speed in real time. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't you can't get that with with a pedal. You know, unless you know, you know, I did that with the Ventura vibe. Uh, made it so that when you stepped on the switch, it uh, either increased or decreased the speed depending on where you had the speed knob set. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so it, was to, it was to emulate that, but that's all getting back to like organ players, being able to, you know, pull draw exactly. bars exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah, but exactly. you, you want that stuff, right? You, yeah. you, it's, it's part of your, it's part of your art. And, and it's the, it's the church organ before that. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I completely agree on that. That is sort of like the, the, this, this beauty is like, if there's, you know, like I was dreaming in the mid nineties, I was dreaming of something like an envelope filter that I could assign to any parameter. Right. So not just, not just as a touch wah kind of thing, but you know, <laughs> yep. and, and, and I, you, 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 you play harder and then like your chorus comes in more intense yeah. and backs off yeah. and you know, yeah, absolutely. And I think there was, there was like a TC, uh, thing that did that then maybe in the late nineties, um, but anyway, I mean, like all, all that stuff is possible these days and, and people yep. seem to use it and it, it's it's great. So you said earlier that you have kind of like um, with your guitar playing and your um, quest for tone, uh, uh, kind of like uh, return to something uh, more basic or more traditional or more, uh, how would yeah. you describe it? And, and, well, how, how, and how does that show in your designs nowadays? Well, so, so you're hitting on something that, that's that's a cause of great artistic angst to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's, I used to be a lot more experimental 
Um, and, and it's, it's, it's causing me a problem. You know, it, it's, it's weird because you've got, you have your artistic impulses on one side and then you have your necessities on the other. And, you know, in, in the group of friends that I play with locally, um, th- what they need from me is very specific mm-hmm. and, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's not experimental, mm-hmm. you know, they, they need a cool guitar line and they need me to sing something cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, anytime I start getting crazy and start trying to experiment stuff, it, 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 it's not what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So on the, on the one hand, you know, that there's, and I guess what that is, is this, it's kind of like, it's like, it's like playing music as a social activity, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause part of that is, is maintaining my friendships and, you know, and, and making music that, that they want to hear or they want to, to make. But that, that is not the same as this other side, which is my more experimental side. And I think back to, you know, when I was first experimenting with looping and stuff like that, you know, when I first started getting into like David Torn and and understanding how that that was actually made. You know, I used to loop stuff all the time, uh, you know, when I was by myself. And back then I had no way. I mean, we're talking like, you know, late 80s. Um, so there's there's no way to record it unless you had a recording studio, you know, or a, or like a TAC two or four track or something, which I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. And so I think about all of that experimental looping stuff, you know, all those layers that I just let go off into the other and never got recorded. And I never thought of it as music. It was just me dicking around, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I was at least being experimental and, and trying to 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 take guitar, or at that time, you know, bass um, in a different direction. Um, and so I look back on that and I'm like, God, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could combine these two worlds, but I don't have, I guess I don't have the, the ability to, to figure that out. I respect a lot of people who do. I mean, that's one of the cool things I mentioned David Torn earlier, but you know, Torn is great because he can, he can, you know, play in any idiom that you can think of, you know, he can, he can bring experimental stuff to a, you know, a traditional rock thing and make it meld nicely because of course he's a fucking genius. I'm not a fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best, but I would love to. So this is the, the angst part that I was talking about. I'd love to be able to figure out how to meld that at some point, but I haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was probably a really long-winded answer to your question. No, 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 no. But again, again, like Adrian Ballou is a good, good example of huh. somebody who's found a way to use um, experimental guitar in in pop tunes, right? In really good pop tunes, but still, right? And uh, yeah, there was a there was a thing that Steve <clears throat> Vai said, you know, a, a years ago. I think it was when he was playing with PIL or, or before then. But uh, he he said that he had a realization um, when he was doing his uh, uh, I, I think it was his flexible stuff. So so really early Steve Vai mm-hmm. stuff when he was you know really trying to establish. You know himself after Zappa. He said he had a realization where every sound a guitar can make was musically valid, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a throwaway line in an interview. I think it was in like a Guitar World or something like that, or musician. But that that really hit me, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that that, that both uh, uh, Baloo and Torn do is any sound you can make on the guitar, they are able to 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 capture and use in a song in a musically valid way. And that's, you know, that, that takes genius. I mean, a plus a lot of shedding, but uh, you know, maybe that's, that's my problem is I need to shed more. (laughs) 
and and you, I guess you, you need courage as well, you know, in a way. Oh yeah, for sure. At least like to, to present these ideas that are um, not normal, and then to kind of like, you know, that's that. I think that's the beauty also of, of music is um, even if people reject something initially, if they just hear it often enough, you know, they they start accepting it at some point. <laughs> yeah, the, the the first time I heard the so there's a, there was a uh, uh, an artist, I think they were out of California. It was called the electric company. Um, this, this is a long time ago. This is like, you know, middle eighties, early eighties. Um, but, uh, really, really experimental, you know, using guitars as walls of noise basically. And, and the first time I heard it, I was just like, Holy crap, I can't take this. This is like, this is like a nightmare made into music. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it, the, the, I would hear, you know, be able to listen to like maybe one song of it. And then I'd be like turning it off. And then as time went on, I could listen to more and more and start to understand some of the stuff that was happening underneath and some of the, you know, some of the musical bits and some of the rhythmic bits that were happening until, you know, not only could I listen to it, I enjoyed it, but then I started seeking out more stuff like it. And, and we're talking really seriously noisy stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like experimental guitars. It's like, full-on noise guitar <laughs> but uh you know you, you start to when you stretch you got to stretch your head you know this reminds me of something that just happened to me a couple of weeks ago where uh like so my definition of a distorted guitar is very different from somebody else's where like we were listening to something i can't remember what it was and like and and this guy said like he doesn't like the, the distortion and I didn't hear it, even hear it as distortion with some crunch on the guitar, you know, right. like, like I, I, I didn't even hear it as something that I would have called distortion. <laughs> and, and, and that was like, kind of like, uh, um, eye opening, you know, like an ear opening to realize that like the, uh, um, what's the word here? The, like the cutoff. You know, for some people, it may maybe in a completely different place Absolutely. Than, than your own, right? And and uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, look look at look at the guys on on YouTube, for example. I mean, uh, there's of course you know a million and a half different YouTube demoers out there, but when they say, "Here's my clean tone," mm -hmm. you know, the, the, their clean tone can run the gamut anywhere from you know a Adrian Ballou style super spanky clean stuff all the way up into what I would consider to be Van Halen crunch tone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's so it, that the, the, the idea of what's clean isn't even a, a standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, the, the fact that you do uh, amplify the guitar kind of makes it less clean. Um, right? right off the bat. Yeah. And people who like acoustic, acoustic guitar music, for example, um, um, I can't even imagine what it may be like to be somebody like that who just, you know, only enjoys that. And <laughs> like what I do may sound like really, really weird to them. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. So, so I'm, I'm like a total fuzz nerd. Yeah. And so I, I know that there are guitar players out there that hate fuzz, you mm -hmm. know, they can't stand it. It's just too wild and crazy. You know, there's too much, you know, atonality in there. There's harmonics that they don't like and stuff like that, but that's what makes it cool. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not going to ignore the fact that, you know, that I understand that how that can be difficult because there are some, like I said earlier, there are some musics where I'm just like, I can't, I can't listen to this. This is, this is too out there for me. 
So I get it. I mean, it's, you know, there, there are, I don't know. There, there are, well, I mean, okay, let's, let's, let's go back to painting. Let's, let's talk about painting. There are a lot of people who don't like, you know, Picasso's blue period mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I get that too. You know, it's, you know, it wasn't as fully developed theoretically as, you know, some of his later stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, tastes, tastes are tastes. It's different for everybody. So uh, were you responsible for the Carcosa first as well? Yep, that was yeah. my baby. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it. I use oh, it. Oh, do you? It's, it's, on, it's on maybe a couple dozen records of mine. But, Dude. But I never, I never use it on guitar. <laughs> Is it, so you're using it on your on your. I, I use it. I use it for 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 reamping of all sorts, like mostly for for snares and uh, it's it's like it's amazing. I just love that pedal. Like it's you know like if 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 I want a signal to have some character, you know I just use that that pedal and you know like dial dialing or mixing in that treated signal just at like five percent or maybe ten percent. But it's it's amazing. It's wonderful. Oh, dude, that that that's really flattering. I'm glad to hear you say that. So the, uh, let me tell you a story about the, how the Carcosa started. Yeah. Um, so it was um, it was just just shortly after I had revived DoD, and when I when I when I brought DoD back, I knew I didn't want to do just a bunch of reissues because mm -hmm. to me that's just boring. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you know, all, all the stuff I did were or what I call updates. And so, you know, I'd add something to it to make it, you know, just a little bit cooler. I'd add true bypass, you know, add an LED or add an extra function or whatever. Um, but all that was really a, a, not a stepping stone, I shouldn't say. It's not really a stepping stone. It was, always, it was just a, a, a path to be able to do something new. And so since the Carcosa I, I was going to be the first fuzz that DOD had done in a long time, I knew it, back then I didn't have a name, but I knew it had to be something special. And uh, I was at uh, Chicago Music Exchange. Um, this is probably back in 2010 or 2011. And um, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it is—it's overwhelming. It's—it's—it's it's, mm -hmm. it's guitars as far as the eye can see, mm -hmm. amps. You know, the, the entire basement's full of drums. It's an amazing store. But they had a, a pedal table that was probably 20 feet long, you know, and probably six feet wide, and it was covered covered with pedals, used pedals, new pedals, you know, vintage pedals in, in no order, just a pile of pile of pedals. Mm -hmm. And so I was going through and kind of, kind of picking out uh, fuzzes that I'd never tried before since I'm a fuzz collector. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was going through and, you know, pulling some aside to be able to try. And I, I saw this, this uh, vintage, absolutely pristine uh, Maestro um, FZ1S. And that's the, I've got one here. It's this guy right here. Hang on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's this isn't the, the same one. The same one that one they had there was actually in perfect condition, and they wanted like five hundred bucks, and I couldn't afford it. But I had to try it, so I grabbed it and went back to one of their sound rooms and played it. And I knew immediately. I'm like, this this is the circuit for the Carcosa. Um, you know, it's it wasn't exactly right. In fact, one of the modes that you can see on here has two modes. This switch right here. Mm -hmm. One of the modes sounds like garbage. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. And so, but I knew that I could, I could change that. 
you know, and so the, the, the main mode, we, we kept the same. And the second mode, we turned it into the demi mode, which is a lot more bassy, a lot more full sounding. So it didn't sound like crap anymore. And um, so I, I, after I got home, um, I did, I bought, I bought a copy from somebody to be able to test out because of course the copy was like, you know, a hundred bucks as opposed to 500 bucks. And then I finally tracked down an original, but this, the, just dissecting the circuit kind of is what led to the Carcosa. And the Carcosa is, you know, an, a, uh, an extension of that pedal. You can't get the Carcosa to sound like the, this old F, uh, FC1S. I, I changed too much on it. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's his lineage. And the, the, whole, the whole thing about it was the fuzz character and how it allowed enough of the highs through to make it so that you didn't lose your attack. Because a lot of fuzzes, when you uh, turn them on, your your attack just vanishes immediately. Yes, and yeah. and that's part of what makes them cool. But also, you know, it's part of what makes some of them suck. So that was the yeah. whole impetus. Yeah, very interesting to hear that because that's exactly how I would uh, describe its sound. That it that transient um, initial transient seems to come through, and like it may maybe like really really. Uh, fuzzy and distorted but still I, I don't know it it i just love that pedal i just love awesome it. man <laughs> that's cool yeah but it's interesting that you know then with with the touch instrument i found it to to sound too tame interestingly enough so that's why i don't really use it in my chain to record you know but later yep. on to kind of like spice something up i you know i've used it a lot yeah, I, I've, you know, even though I don't play stick very much, you know, I've got in the back of my head, one of these days, I want to make the perfect fuzz for, you know, a stick or a touch instrument. Um, I haven't had time to really dig into it, but I definitely want to make that happen because I think, I think there, there's a lot of cool things that could happen in that arena. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it really is like, sometimes I'm getting, getting fuzz pedals and they don't work at all. Like it's, which is frustrating because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's, it's weird because, because fuzz can be really instrument dependent um, because, you know, that input impedance um, and interaction with the pickups is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, I haven't measured a, a, a you know, a sticks pickup, mm -hmm. uh, but I bet there's some, some issues there. Uh, but also it's the range, you know, a, yeah. a fuzz for a guitar may or may not translate for a bass. And, you know, and, and a stick has got a, you know, or, or touch instrument has a huge range, you know, all the way from the lowest of lows, depending on how you tune, you know, all up to the highest of highest. So you're, you're expecting a fuzz to be able to handle all of those frequencies, which some can do and some can't. You know, I think what it, what it, what it is more so, uh, more than that is actually the string tension. I think that makes a big difference because like the, the spank you get from a, from a tight uh, B string, right? Uh, on an electric guitar is very different from from the floppiness of a string on a touch instrument and i yep. think that that really makes a big difference so i um, you know that's why like my my go-to um tool before i even put a fuzz or overdrive on like signal is is a compressor to kind of like re you know to, to rebalance the signal to get a little bit of that that punch um, yeah. and evenness to to kind of like then drive um, a drive pedal 
Right. Yeah. So I, I think you're 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 onto something too because it's it's I think it's a combination of the string tension as well as the attack uh, the transient. Yeah. Um, if you if you analyze a signal uh, that's been picked, mm-hmm. that initial a uh, pick transient um, is massive. I mean, it's it's a huge yeah. huge transient, and then it it's, you know goes to you know probably you know a, a an eighth of its level mm-hmm. to to get to the rest of the signal. Whereas yeah. if you you know tap. An instrument and use your finger. That, that initial transient is only slightly above the rest of the signal. So a compressor would do exactly just like what you're talking about. It would e- even that out. But yeah, so that that initial transient is a is a big deal because that that initial transient is also the energy level that gets slammed into the front end of a fuzz. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not smacking the front end of that fuzz with that transient, it's going to sound way different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know the uh, pedals that you're building these days. What what are they? Are they? Um, um, let me just find a good way to put this. Are, are the pedals sort of like um, a representation of your passion and of what you're interested in, and or are you taking into account what people ask you for? Um, it's a combination of both. Um, so the the initial offerings I did um, with the the black and the yellow, um, I I had I was taking other opinions into account not at all. Um, mm-hmm. um, I knew what I wanted to build and I knew how I wanted to sound and I knew um, exactly what I wanted to accomplish, and so I didn't do any type of market polling or or conversations with other guitar players at all. I just built them. And so they were very much what I wanted to do, very much what I wanted to accomplish, and, and very much how I wanted to sound. Now, once they got out in the world, you know, I started getting opinions from other guitar players. And, um, you know, having worked at Digitech and DoD, um, I, I learned how to discern what was a real valid uh, request and criticism mm-hmm. and what was just griping um, mm-hmm. and, and kvetching. And not, not that those are, are invalid, you know, you know, at the core of every gripe, there's usually, you know, some kernel of, of validity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to sift through that too. And so I started getting these opinions coming in and, you know, requests and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and a lot of them were valid. And I was like, Oh, you know, I should try, I should actually try to do that and see if I can actually accomplish that. Cause my, my technical skill level, by the way, uh, as an engineer is very, very low. I'm, I am not a great engineer. I'm, I'm a hack. And so, you know, a lot of the technical hurdles and the requests that were coming in seemed really high to me. But I, I, I decided, you know what, instead of, you know, instead of just following my muse, you know, I should take this as a challenge and try to see if I can, you know, address some of these requests because mm-hmm. some of these are valid. You know, for example, you know, Torn had a bunch of requests and stuff like that. And, you know, it would have been really presumptuous of me to ignore them. You know, he's, he's a lot better guitar player than I am. He's a, a lot more, you know, a lot more talented artist than I am. And so, you know, his, his opinions mean something, but it wasn't just him. It was, you know, average guitar players off the street too. So this gets to the second part of your question. How much was influenced? You know, the brute was entirely influenced by input from other guitar players. You know, the, the people tried the black and said, you know, I need something that's darker. I need something that is more uh, uh, controllable. Um, I want something that interacts with my guitar pickups more mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. And so, so, you know, after a lot of dicking around, I came up with the Brute. 
but that came directly out of user requests. You know, it was flavored with with how I hear things, of course. You know, that's that's, that's inescapable. But uh, you know, it, it would be silly of me to to ignore you know valid input from other guitar players. You know, the 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 secret chord um, came out of uh, direct requests from a bass player friend of mine. Um, you know, I built the the white. And he tried it and said, you know, this is probably great for a guitar player, but for a bass player, I wish it did this, this, and this, and this. Mm -hmm. And so in an attempt to address his needs, it kind of just evolved into the secret chord. And uh, I think the secret chord, because of his input, is, you know, way better than I could have come up with by myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I... Mm -hmm. I I know it, it can be it can be hard it can be hard to hear criticism, and it can be hard sometimes to take um, comments on the stuff you do. Um, but you know, I I I can honestly say that that I have progressed as a builder more from from taking that stuff to heart than ignoring it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And how that applies to art. I'm not entirely sure because I can. I'll tell you what, man. I am not good at taking criticism when it comes to my art. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's a fine line. Yeah. Like if if you were building pedals um, without having an artistic sense, you would you would first of all you wouldn't you would probably not be happy with what you're doing. Yep. And and also you wouldn't you wouldn't have an opinion, meaning you wouldn't know how to decide what to do really. So, so just having an artistic sense, having an opinion is kind of like part of, of what you do or what other pedal builders do. And that's sort of like what, what makes the, what makes the product in the end. Right. And I, so that's, so that's why, I mean, just, just apart from the, the way the pedals is packaged, let's say, right. That, that's a piece of art as well, but just, just the, 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 the fact that like you put it together, you listen to, you play it, you make, you make decisions, you, 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 you sort of tune the circuit, right? That is, I mean, if that's, if that's the right uh, terminology there. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because like it is such a, it is such a, as we would say in the beginning, it's, it's such a complex um, sound treatment first, right? It's, uh, yeah, and I mean, I mean, like I, you know, like from, um, like, the, like building the touch guitars, for example. Like there are certain things that, yeah, it would be nice not to have any, any noise. It would be nice if you didn't have to control the resonating strings, on your instrument. Yeah, but if you take that away, it's not a guitar anymore. It's yeah, it becomes some, something else. It becomes something else, which is fine. But like that's that's kind of like where I have to draw the line. Where like I decide, okay. Oh, it's a guitar, and it's fine that it resonates. It's fine that it it is alive, right? Yep. So it, it 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 is like in a way like if somebody would ask you, can we control the fuzz so that it sounds like an IR? <laughs> no, we don't want you don't want to do that, right? Yeah. So, so, so that you're getting into an interesting thing because you're getting into UI and UX, and mm -hmm. and I believe that um the and you and I share this because you because you're part of uh you know touch guitars. You know, the, the part of our job as a designer is to make decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a big part of our job. And our decisions are, of course, influenced by our, our vision and our point of view on things. And so our job is to, is to, I believe, make the right decisions 
that helps the the end user, the player, um, uh, be able to quickly make music that or, or make sounds that that are 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 pleasing. Yes. And and so you know there, there's a a school of thought out there where you you give the user as many options as you can possibly think of, but I I, I disagree with that stance greatly because um, again it's part of our our job it, people trust us to make decisions as a designer and so you know we have to we have to take the responsibility for those decisions too, but uh, you know it, it, I just I just think you know putting a, a shit ton of switches and knobs on a pedal. Um, just because you couldn't make a decision is lazy. Mm. And, I, you know, it, it may end up being controversial and I might get some hate mail for it, but I, I honestly believe that because, you know, you should have weeded that crap out well before it went to market. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand, you know, you, you, you want to give the user as much control as possible, but really it's our job to make those decisions. So you with, with, with touch guitars, I'm sure you're confronted with that all the time. It's like, yeah, I could have a switch for every fucking string on this thing, you know, to turn off a pole piece. You know, it's, well, it's, why the hell would you? It's been, it's been my philosophy from the very beginning because like what I, what I had seen with the stick was, and just with the instrument itself, not just, not even with the controls, but like the, it was, it just it was just offering too many options and people, because of that, it was such a daunting even thought to play the instrument. But then when you take it into your hands, it's like, too much like you know what i'm talking about that initial Absolutely. feeling right and so like my idea for the for the touch guitar from the very beginning was to do to build something that um takes that hurdle away and 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 that's why i was you know like at reynolds the builder that i started you know, that i built the prototype with um i said okay i wanted i wanted super traditional guitar here I want you to, as a luthier, as a great luthier, build me a traditional guitar that when people look at it, like when, you know, other luthiers look at it, they will say that is a guitar. That was sort of like that. I wanted to remove that hurdle so that, and, and it, it proved to be, to, to be right. Like when people pick up the, the U8, which is the name, um, the model name for the initial uh, prototype, when people pick that instrument up, they started playing and that was that was just wonderful to me like that was like my heart you know kind of bloomed you know like yep okay okay now here's something that kind of like has the potential you know to be anything but you know you pick it up and you play it and 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 i i can see that i can totally see that with pedals like totally where they're and that's why we have these classic pedals right because that's what they do they kind of give you that one thing all those two things maybe and they work and they sound great and yeah yeah it's you know you 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 can't be you can't appeal to everybody um you know and and so that's not something you should you should strive for Um, not only that but when if you're trying to appeal to everybody you're you end up going lowest common denominator, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and and that's a, that's a dilution of of your vision. Um, and it's also a, a in a lot of ways, when you strive for mass appeal on something, you end up not getting mass appeal. Um, and it, it's it's a weird it's a weird contradiction. Um, well, yeah, I shouldn't say that. when you strive for mass appeal, you end up not being very appealing. You know, that should be on a t- fucking t-shirt, man. 
<laughs> yeah, but but that you're describing you're describing the arts, right? Basically, yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. That that's, we're talking about art now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, dude, I, I I would love to try your U eight. So that's that. What you're getting at is actually kind of interesting because I got my my twelve string grand stick um, because back in the day, you know, we're talking uh, early early nineties. Um, that this is you know before there was you know a, a, a an eBay. Or anything like that. You you would you could find classifieds on Usenet and stuff back then, but I didn't have a choice. You know, I, I could I could spend you know two grand on a stick uh, directly from Emmett um, and get what I want, or I could spend you know twelve hundred bucks and get a used one and get and just take whatever I could get. Yeah. But yeah, if I had to do it over again, I would not have bought a grand. You know, I I would have probably gotten you know the the eight string or the ten string and been perfectly happy because you know those two outside strings I never use them. Um, but uh, it's it's that complexity thing again, and I agree with you completely. When I first strapped on the stick, I was just like, "What what the hell is this thing?" Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to I had to completely modify. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't get my head around the uh, the, the crossed hands thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I went uncrossed hands and a, a different tuning, and I, I flipped the pickup too, mm-hmm. um, just because it, it. You know, I had already learned chord shapes with my le- left hand, mm-hmm. and I wasn't about to give all that that knowledge up um, mm-hmm. just to pick up a new instrument. It was mm-hmm. just too much. Yes. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that I did different on the stick that made it so that, you know, I was not playing what was considered to be the, the stick in a traditional way. Mm-hmm. But here's the cool thing about Emmett is, you know, when he and I would converse, um, you know, if you have a private messages, he was always encouraging. He was like, he's like, I didn't, I didn't build this thing to, you know, to not be messed with. He's like, do whatever you want, do whatever your muse tells you to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, like f- for me as a human being sort of interested in, in learning, you like, that is like, like my, maybe my biggest field of interest is learning, right. For myself, but also how to pass on information and, and, uh, and that was sort of like, you know, the, like, even though I, I kind of like, like, obviously, like an invention, let's say, like the sick, it's not finished, it's not final, right? But then you have like something like a six string guitar, which has had this, mostly the same tuning for a couple 300 years or something. Yeah. And, and you see what the, what the, um, you know, the good things that come with tradition like that which is that somehow the, the knowledge is up in the air. It's kind of like easy to, to grasp it. Like last night, my daughter had a small guitar in her hand for the first time in her life, like she's two years old. And she picked it up and she, you know, she started strumming and, you know, fretting. It was amazing. She did some, somehow, somehow new. Yeah, she, it was interesting. But, but anyway, so that was, that was kind of like the, the, one of the problems I saw with the, with the the the, um, the touch instrument per se, like the idea that, like first of all, like people are kind of like blinded by the fact that it is strings on a fretboard. So everybody is and and kind of like like what you were saying, like you had already learned to play chords. So so you kind of like in a way and sometimes wrongly assume that you can kind of play like, that instrument yeah, you can like make a, a bar guitar chord on a stick. Yeah, you try to make yeah. a bar chord on a stick if it's if it's crossed hands. And you're just going to be pissed off. <laughs> yeah, 
and and so that's that sort of like became sort of like my my quest let's say to find this 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 way um uh, to sort of kind of like standardize the instrument a little bit right and i did that by arriving at eight strings and mostly tune in fifths and like there are reasons why and 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 just to sort of like give people like a, a, a an option ideally to start with from which you can then branch off anywhere you want right so but not to get into a field like as you say where like you have too many options from the very from the get-go so i think the idea is like in in a in a pedagogical good pedagogical way to sort of like get people into into okay here is what we have this is how you work with it start here and when you have the basics down you can go anywhere so that has sort of like become my my thing to to do. Yeah, that. I, so I've I've noticed in lo looking at your your web page and looking at the the stuff that the Touch Guitars um, offers, I mean I, I see you know the, the U8 being strung up as uh, low to high, yeah, uh, uh, low in the middle, fanning out, so you can do uh, crossed or uncrossed hands. Um, you know, it's, so it, it, I've I've seen people use it as like an extended range bass. Yeah. I've seen people use it like an extended range guitar, yes. you know, you know, I, of course you can't, you know, you can't pick with it, but uh, you know, that's, that's, I think that's cool because, you know, right off the bat, you've, you know, you've shown people that this, there are, are, are options that you can go and different directions you can go with this instrument. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I think it's, it's smart to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, so um, just because you mentioned the, um, the, the sacred chord is that the name of the pedal it's the secret the secret the secret chord. okay yeah it's <laughs> even even better <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I, I i stole that from from leonard Cohen, um from, yeah. from that song hallelujah it, it, start, it starts out um i heard there was a secret chord that david played to please the lord so yeah i stole the name from directly from that lyric <laughs> Nice, nice. And what does that? What 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 pedal? What kind of pedal is that? So it's it's a boost. It's a dirty boost. Um, it's a MOSFET, and it has different tonal options. Um, it has a, a cap network that allows you to change um, how much low end is put to the pedal, and that 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 cap network can be put pre or post diode. Um, so it, it changes either the tonality or how much clipping happens at, at, at particular frequencies. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really kind of a it's meant to be your base tone. So it's like a foundational tone piece that you can then add distortions and stuff too. But it's to help you get the best, you know, base tone that you can get. And I, I mean base as in B A S E, not B A S S. Yeah, 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 base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting because you um, you just mentioned that there's like a um, even some sort of mod modularity within that pedal where you can go before or after. Right. Yep. Yeah. In fact, is so. Yeah, you can move what I call the girth control. You can move that to pre or post clipping. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also um, uh, on the secret cord. There's a toggle switch that that changes the the input cap, um, and that is uh, only working in in one of those uh, modes. So I have the alpha mode and the omega mode, and it, it, the that that toggle switch only works in the omega mode. And that was a, uh, like I said before, that was a direct request of, of a bassist because a, a bassist friend of mine said, you know, I love how it sounds in alpha mode. Mm -hmm. I wish there was, uh, I wish Omega mode had some of the tonality 
of alpha mode. And so that's how I accomplished that. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, um, you said that you're you're not you're not a great engineer, right? That's that is absolutely the, the fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but 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 you you are you are working with uh, in the field of engineering somehow, right? So there's there is there, you know, you know this is something that has been on my mind for such a long time that there's always like this, um, I, on one hand, there's like skepticism, like about like, well, you, you know, how, how can you be my therapist if you haven't been uh, a drug addict, right? Or like this kind of thinking, right? Or, or how can you be, how can you, how can you be a great painter and, and, and paint those bloody blue paintings, right? Yeah, like like this kind of thinking, right, is is really is really very detrimental uh, when it comes to um, like, okay, I can say pieces of art, but even like tools, tools that actually uh, uh, inspire. I think that's the word I've been looking for, like, Ah. you know, and 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 so that's why um, you don't have to be the greatest painter to to be the the best paid or the most expensive painter in the world, right? Dude, you know it's, what I mean? It's, it's so it's so weird <laughs> you saying this. So I um so th- this gets into the angst thing again. Um, so okay. I, I had a conversation with with, with David Torn um, a few months ago um, when we were discussing, you know, some 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 changes to the Allura. It was before I released the Allura, mm-hmm. and. Um, I started getting into some of this, this, the stuff we're talking about now and, you know, and, and art and what art means and things like that. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny that you're kind of going in the same direction that he was, which is, which is very much, you know, just because you're in a technical field doesn't mean that you're not making art, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a little hard for me to get my head around. Mm-hmm. Um but also the 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 whole idea of that you 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 are trying you are trying to make inspirational things to help inspire other people make inspirational things and that's not insignificant and you know it, it's i know that's not a pep talk but it's important to hear and i think as artists we have we have power and I think as artists, we also have um, a fragility. It's it's a, it's a weird mm-hmm. combination mm-hmm. where uh, the, the the freedom that we have as artists to be able to, to break the norms is very powerful, but it also puts us in a very vulnerable position. You, does that make sense to you? Uh, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> like, I'm Mr. Vulnerable, you know? Uh, <laughs> and but but that's you know like and it's this constant struggle and like every day like when i make a decision i know i know i'm gonna get you know uh there's gonna be people who don't appreciate it but i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) and uh and i'm always always happy for having done what i did you know like 
I mean, f- for me, uh, and and this is this is a you know, like to create something, you don't have to be necessarily be the one who gets credited um, for the inspiration, but you know, you kind of know. I don't know if you, but you as in one a, knows a general, that yeah. you that you kind of like you kind of like put something out into the world where that is kind of like where that creates that domino effect, right? Like yep. and 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 um, especially with with um, musical gear, you know, like there's as you know so many so many inspiring sounds, so many uh, um, iconic sounds are you know, because of a pedal or a recording technique or, you know, an invention that some engineer made. And that engineer doesn't, like we said, doesn't, didn't, doesn't have to be, or didn't even have to be the greatest engineer in the world to, to bring that thing into the world. Right. And, uh, and, you know, like I, I see my music uh, in a nurse in the same way as uh, I see that a lot of people get inspired by what I do and they start doing things and that that kind of like gives me joy it gives me more joy than somebody telling me how great i am you well know? yeah because you're opening doors right yeah yeah and and you know at, at the end of the day making music and, and i guess to a certain extent you know me making pedals and stuff it's it's all about communication you know you're, you're trying to impart an idea you're trying to evoke an emotion you're trying to uh, get somebody excited you know and all these things i'm mentioning it's all communication you know, you're, you're, you're communicating at a, at a very, very visceral level um, with, you know, another artist and they in turn are hopefully communicating in a very visceral level to, you know, a non-artist, you know, to a listener or whatever. And so, you know, it's all, all links in a chain and, you know, it, it's, it's all about communication. And it's, it's sometimes I lose, lose sight of that fact that, you know, I'm actually having a conversation with other mm-hmm. artists when I, when they, when they play my pedals, but I am, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they, they have a point of view and, you know, they, they have a purpose and, you know, they're, they're trying to say something. So what kind of, I'm just curious about this. Uh, what kind of feedback would David Torn give you? Like, what would he say about the Laura? So he, he's, uh, so, so it's funny cause, cause he's, um, he, he's really open. So, so David's really open and really is able to, just like you were talking about with how you are with gear, you're able to make stuff work mm-hmm. because of, you know, the, the, the direction you're heading. So stuff may not necessarily be designed for a specific purpose, but you know what you can use it for once you start playing with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like he's offering me technical advice. Mm-hmm. Um, although in some cases he does kind of go in that, that realm, but he's, he's able to make stuff work that I wouldn't normally think of being, uh, workable, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also very perceptive. Mm-hmm. And so he'll, he'll go through and talk about, you know, Oh, I, you know, it, I tried it with this and, you know, I was able to get it under control, but it was doing this. And, uh, and when he's describing that, I can technically understand what, what the problem was and how I need to fix it. And so, you know, whether, whether he's being technical or not, the generalized stuff, I know, I know how to put it together to be able to adjust it. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, <laughs> what he was asking for and what I was actually able to deliver on the Alora were two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wanted some controls that I just wasn't able to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's, that, that, there's that limitation of my own right there. 
Um, but I was able to get it working in such a fashion that I was happy with it and decided to release it. And because again, David's able to make stuff work when I sent him one, he made it sound awesome. <laughs> and he was, he was very open about that. He's like, he's like, this doesn't sound anything at all. Like I thought it was going to, but it sounds great. <laughs> so, you know, that's, 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 that's a good positive reinforcement, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it's taking uh non-specific more artistic feedback and plugging it into technical aspects and then mm -hmm. trying to 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 make that a reality mm -hmm. so yeah that's how he helps <laughs> yeah, there you go no no great great I, i'm i'm super happy to hear this because it just kind of like <laughs> shows that you are also human <laughs> and <laughs> And, and 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 that we're really dealing with something that is sort of like um, that is an artistic process that is um, uncontrollable like just like fuzz itself right so you've yeah. you've, you've become a living piece of fuzz <laughs> I love like, it with all the fuzziness here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's one it's wonderful yeah man um, I hope that it's uh, some someday I will find the the perfect fuzz for my guitar and uh, maybe maybe we can talk about that at some point. Yeah, well, you've, you've inspired me actually. <laughs> I, I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the the how to make a fuzz work with a touch a touch guitar or a stick up my priority list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make that happen because it's 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 at, it honestly it, like I said it's been in the back of my mind forever, but uh, I should I should figure that one out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dual input for sure <laughs> yeah. i'll just start messing with it so uh the this this whole um um corporate world let's say that you've left behind i mean um i i don't think you're interested in going back anytime soon nope. <laughs> no 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 it's you know it it I say that, but I mean, if if somebody backed a you know a truck full of money up to my door, mm -hmm. you know, it it might change my mind. I mean, I'm I'm like we were saying earlier, I am human, just like everybody else. <laughs> but um, I, I've I've gotten to the point where with with Spiral, I love the fact that I can I can wake up in the morning, have an idea, and actually build something that works at the end of the day, mm -hmm. that same day. Whereas in the corporate world, if I had an idea, it would be months before something came to fruition. And, and it's, not, it's not a matter of being impatient because I am patient. I, I, you know, I've learned to wait for that kind of stuff. But it's, it's nice to be able to actually do something with my, my own hands and have it be working that same day. You know, it, it's, it, and, and, and not just... And not just have something working, but also have it be something where it, it was it was only the, the only goal was to make something that sounds cool and not have all these other external pressures, you know, you know, will this work in this market? You know, wh why are you spending you know, engineering time on this when, when it should be, you know, being spent elsewhere? You know, oh, you've got a meeting today or, you know, you, you need to do a presentation or all that, and that kind of stuff, because a lot of that stuff. It's 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 how to make the machine work. It's not how to make stuff. 
and making stuff as far, you know, as a musician, you know, this, you, you live and die by what you produce. And the, the, the I say this all the time, but the, the answer to all questions and all criticisms is product. And what I mean by that is producing is, is you, you can destroy all criticism by making a new song. And it's not just because it makes you feel good. It's because you are out there doing stuff and creating something out of nothing. Whereas other people who are, you know, commenting on it, it's, they're just making error. Wow, that's very wise. It makes me feel great, actually, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I sure know how to produce stuff. <laughs> hey, hey, so, you, know, so, you, know, you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean? No, I know, I know, exa I know exactly what you mean, and I think it's, it's very encouraging to hear because I think you're right. Like if, if in this world you are somebody who can kind of like show that you get things done, that can, can get, get things done. And I mean that as in something uh, tangible, right? Um, I think that is, yeah, that's for sure. Like that's a superpower. And I say this, I don't, I don't say this lightly because I see so many, so many people struggle uh, these days and I, it's probably like that always but uh like to to really to even get something done and to, to put something out into the world that is theirs and like in my teaching in my music teaching and in my coaching uh work it's become like the major theme that like some people you know start working with me and they have that dream and they you know maybe had that dream for like 30 years in them to kind of produce music to get that stuff out that is in them and yes, you know like yes. it's, it's amazing like these 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 discoveries that I make when suddenly like this guy that I've known for six years who's worked with me suddenly actually starts making that music and it you know and then I, I get just I get goosebumps thinking about it like absolutely when you see that people actually are capable of of realizing the dreams uh, eventually you know and uh, I don't even know how I got here but it's a uh, it's uh, you know Ah, yeah, you were you were saying like if you know how to produce something, that is that that you can silence all the critics, right? Yep, that's that's how you that's how you do it. Is you, you don't get on the web, you know, and and write write a witty retort. Um, mm. you you make more music. Yeah, exactly. And that shuts everybody up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, there was there was something else I wanted to say or ask, but this this has been like a. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. So, um, yeah, keep keep making stuff, and I hope I hope uh, it's it's easy or it is manageable for you to make ends meet, as they say. Um, the same with you, man. You're you're in the same boat I am, man. You're you're making instruments. We're 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 uh, well, you know, you know, we're, I'm going actually, this, we're going to the same storm, brother. <laughs> we are, but actually, actually, I pulled out of the in, making the instrument. Um, I've I've uh, given the licenses to somebody else. Um, oh really? Yeah, and I'm I'm still involved, you know, like um, you know, but I'm not actually um, in the operational uh, side of things anymore, which is good. And for for me, it's more it's it's really uh, you know it's it's funny. Like when we first met, 2011, I think it was the like my first year of making music professional on a stage. Right. So it was a really late discovery. I was 38. 
uh, yeah. to real to realize I'm actually I, I never I never thought of because I never had the opportunity really to be on the stage you know like much then realizing oh like what I do here like it works like people enjoy it or like some people even uh, you know. Um, I don't know, like there, there's like some certain meaning that people pick up uh, that I didn't intend to put out, but, you know, and, and that's kind of like the greatest thing. Like if you, as you know, if we want to extend that idea of producing something, like if the thing that you produce then, as we said before, inspires other people or creates meaning for people, you know, that is, yep. that is amazing. And, and for me, that happened really late in my life. And and you know that's why now you know like having had like that that little bit of a detour with the instrument also which was very important for me i have to say but now i i really know i do want to focus on music and on education and i kind of like that's what i'm doing well so so i i understand what you're talking about completely too because you know there, there's only so much energy you've got you know and and if you're anything like me you know when you take on a project um you're in it you know what i mean you're you're committed yeah. And, you know, you, you can't be, you can't be a hundred percent committed to two different things. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've, you've got to pick. And so mm -hmm. I completely understand what you're, where you're coming from. Yeah. And you know, and that, that's, that's, that's part of that inspiration problem too, that I was talking about earlier with me with, with, with angst and stuff is, is right now I am, I am full bore in spiral mode. And so that affects my music. How could it not? You know, and there, there you go. And this is something I can, I can maybe uh, return to you as an inspiration. Here is, I, I even though I think you're right to say that you've got to be committed a hundred percent, but you also need to manage your portfolio. What I mean by that is, as a musician, like before I was touring, like I had to, I had to do anything I could get. Like there was no, no, no cherry picking at all. Right. Right. So, so, so the, the, you know, uh, but that doesn't, didn't mean that I was not committed in building my brand. Right. So the commitment is like, is like this, this entity, let's say, right. Or even this, just a, a concept. Right. But then like the, the, the different slices of tasks that you may uh, encounter in everyday life. Uh, you just got to, you just got to do it. You just got to do them. Like it's, there's no, why, why would anybody say, okay, no, I'm not going to learn uh, about how to record my own guitar playing. Like that's stupid, right? Like, yeah. like, yep. you, you know, that needs to be part of, of what you do. If you want to become a guitarist, like it's not just about playing the guitar. It's, it's, there's more to it. There's, there's much more to it. And, yeah. and that was something that I had, that I was kind of like, uh, very aware of like from the very beginning that it's sort of like a holistic thing. Like if you want to be an artist, you want to be a musician, it's not just about doing one thing. You've got to embrace the whole. And, um, and, and, and maybe like I'm saying this, like to you, like, even though you're committed hundred percent to, to spiral does not mean that like a little slice of who you are, you know, can be the artist and even the experimental artist. Why not? Yeah, 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 you know, I, 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 I agree with you, and I know where you're coming from, and I, I've actually been trying to juggle that because it, it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for me to recontextualize what guitar playing is to me, mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is, uh, my whole life has been playing in bands, 
and my whole goal of being of becoming a guitar player switching from bass to guitar is to facilitate that and and to 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 fit into that framework and so to 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 rethink of myself as a guitar player that that to play his guitar to be able to showcase his pedals is really fucking weird to me and, it, yeah, and that, it's hard for me to get my head around that is weird <laughs> that and, is and, weird and, and, and so it is weird <laughs> yeah. and and you know it and so, so the, my the, the way i've been trying to address that is is by not addressing it and, and what i mean by that is i keep thinking okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll make music with my bands my various bands my other projects and i will use my stuff in that and then that will become you know a a, a way of showing how something works you know and and so I, I I know that seems like a a really stupid distinction, but it enables me to actually do it. Um, so it, it's so when I'm when I'm writing a piece of music, you know, I'm not thinking about oh this is a demo. Mm-hmm. I'm writing a piece of music, yeah. and if it eventually turns into a demo at some point, that's fine. <clears throat> you know, that's that's fine. But it's not the main impetus. It is it's a byproduct. So you know, I, I you're you're absolutely right. And, and you're on the right track. I just have to figure out it's, it's a, it's a mental hurdle for me to get, to figure out how to make it work. It yeah. can all be the same thing. Yeah. You know, for, like for, for me playing the instrument that I designed or kind of like partly created on stage, um, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and this is, this is, this is uh, maybe different for you, but for me, I never had much of an emotional uh, connection with the instrument that I design as something that is super dear to me. It's more like it's more like something that um, is the level of 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 like I created this tool, right? And I'm going to use this tool, and I don't I don't need to be um, uh, uh, how do you say like I don't need to uh, define myself through this. Thing that I created for me the music is is that is is sort of like the the overall is the arch is there you know the overarching structure within I, within which I work so like when I'm on stage and I play my instrument I want people to hear the music and not to see the instrument or not right. even to hear the instrument like when people ask me after the show, oh, you built this instrument or you designed this instrument? I said, yeah, yeah, I did. But it's not that I would put like a sign on stage, like, okay, look at me, I'm playing this instrument that I designed, you know? So that's that's where I can I can totally see where you're coming from. But uh, like the only, the only uh, um, disadvantage, let's say, you know, one puts, you know, uh, you know oneself into when kind of like not presenting your work or like your instrument or your pedals in an overt way is that the 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 curve is going to be just like it's going to you know rise like super slow but people will take notice and it will have a lasting and a really powerful effect if it's if it's kind of like a slow riser let's say rather than something that go hits you in the face and I, I don't know so that's i don't know if that if that helps in any way but i think i think it's absolutely cool and okay to uh not shout about one's uh uh accomplishments um 
and un unless I mean because like the marketing of your of your work and you've you've been through that with a bigger company, right? That's not something that you should be doing yourself anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 something you should you should hire out because well, I mean, you need to have a, a, some certain level of objectivity when uh, when you try to market something like that. And if you're if you're in the trenches building the thing, you really can't have that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I want to get back to something you said earlier. Um, you know, we're, we're probably going way over time here. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you don't have an emotional attachment to your to your instrument. And I, and, and I totally get that because it's, it's you know, you're saying it's a tool. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've always viewed guitar playing. For me, it's it's a tool that enables me to write songs. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the guitar itself isn't my is, isn't my uh, uh, my mode of expression. It's it's the tool that en enables me to write a song that then expresses. Yes. And so I, I completely agree with you that, you know, I'm not one of those guys that names their guitars because that's not what they are to me. You know, they're, they're my, my, my toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. But you're naming your pedals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Naming my pedals. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you named, you named your touch, but, but the, the thing that's yeah, funny is you, you named your touch. The most like the most unemotional name that you could possibly think of, you know, the, yes. the U8. Yes. <laughs> but it, it reflects what we're talking about, right? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Your tool. Yeah. And and you're not you're not ca calling your pedals Charlie or Susan. No, or... no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fred. <Yeah>. Fred. <laughs> hey, it's been been a pleasure to talk with you and. Uh... I hope we get to see uh, each other in real life at some point again. Yep. So where, where where are you based even like now? Is Salt, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah? Yeah, still. Yeah. yeah Salt Lake City, and uh, yeah, I, I I'm not sure if you make it to Nams, but I'm planning on going to to uh, the next Nam that's in June, mm -hmm. uh, 2022. Um, you know, we're all vaccinated. Um, yeah. And hopefully by that time, most people that go to the show are going to be vaccinated. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, you know, practice social distancing and stuff like that. But I, I you know, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I need to get back out in the world. So June, yes. June's like what, six months from now. So that's, that mm -hmm. seems like a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a stick mentor plan for April, which uh, I really hope will happen. I have to say. Like, yeah, if, if that happens, please please let me know and I'll I'll come see you. If you're within a thousand miles, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks so much. I'm I'm gonna stop the recording now. Just give All me right. a second. Thank yeah. you, brother.